Welcome to Radio Rehab and Happy New Year. This is our first week of shows for 2017, and we are on our second episode for the week. If you're just tuning into Radio Rehab for the first time, what we do is we have a daily show where I have a guest host on with me, and we have topics. This week, the topic is parenting and recovery because our guest host is Rosemary O'Connor, who wrote a book about parenting and recovery. Today, our topics are about sexual trauma and abandonment issues. Check it out. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Hello, welcome to our Tuesday show. We are joined again in studio with special guest host, Rosemary O'Connor, who wrote the book, A Sober Mom's Guide to Recovery. Today, our topic is sexual trauma and love relationship dysfunction. Uh, I wanted to begin with chapter 12 in Rosemary's book has this awesome quote. It says, it's often said that a traumatic experience early in life marks a person forever, pulls her out of line saying, stay there, don't move. I That is such, I love that. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people... Um, myself at times included, have felt like if you experience something that causes you to have post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, some kind of like sexual trauma, which, I mean, what addict doesn't have that in their background? Right, um, right. You know, that you can't move forward. Right. And that's just, I know that's not true, but I, I think it's really cool that you address that in this book. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. It's really important. And also, a lot of people, the sexual trauma doesn't come up it, um, sometimes to deep until their sobriety. I know a lot of women I've worked with, um, including myself, um, you know, they got sober and all these feelings and emotions and memories started coming up. And um, it, what do they say? And I don't know where this statistics come from, but one out of every three women have uh, been sexually abused. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's much higher for women in recovery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the sexual abuse can be on many different levels, many different levels um, as to how intense the abuse was and who was it from and and the shame that people carry with that. You know, as a little kid, if you were sexually abused, um, you didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we... kids internalize something a lot that um, it was their fault or um, and then there's the I know a lot of situations where then the parents find out and then they don't do anything about it or they don't talk about it because they're full of shame and fear and guilt so it's uh, it's something that really needs to be healed because it affects our relationships and uh, not only just intimate partners, it affects how we feel about ourselves, mainly because we're carrying that shame for so many years. And we respond, to, we respond in the world um, based on our, a lot of our wounds. And um, what I always say, and again, I heard this somewhere, I don't know where, but um, when our reaction is hysterical, we know it's historical. That's good. Mm-hmm. That is really good it, because uh, my my mom, my biological father was killed tragically when oh. my mom was nine months pregnant with me. Oh, wow. And I would react to things as a child 
in this crazy way that was like came from some pre-verbal thing that I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't even really a part of. I mean, I was a part of it because oh, I was yeah. connected to her and fully developed. But it's like, yeah, my my reactions to loss and abandonment yeah. since childhood have had nothing to do with the situation yeah. at hand. Right, right, yeah. You know, like my aunt, my aunt got married and was going on her honeymoon, and there are pictures of me at her wedding, sobbing my oh. face red, just screaming oh. in her in her wedding dress. Like I, I love my aunt. She's oh. she's crouched down on her trying to console this oh. like hysterical child. You can see my mom laughing. Like, see what I have to deal with all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but my aunt is. Like going, yeah. I'm gonna come back, oh. and I just felt like he mm. was taking her from me. Oh yeah, it was like my heart was being ripped out, and that is so not go does, doesn't go with the situation. You look at the other kids around me in the picture who are fine, right? You right. know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If so, what did you? If it's hysterical, it's historical. Yeah. That is, yeah. yeah. And hysterical doesn't always mean oh we're screaming and yelling. It could be like we're shut down and we can't even speak or panic attack, right? Or we react and people are saying, oh gosh, she's crazy. Yeah. What's wrong with her? And again, furthers the shame and, um, you know, things that are really traumatic. Like the quote says, we stay stuck in, um, in this reaction to life um, that we can't move forward in certain areas in our life. And it really, you need to do some deep work with experienced um, therapists and doctors that uh, know what they're doing, you know, like EMDR has really helped so many people, so many women I know um, heal that. Yeah, I agree. I, I did EMDR therapy. Uh, it's it, And that's one thing that it's like, but it's back when I was drinking, you know, and it's something oh. that it's like, I really wanted the pain to stop, mm-hmm. but I wasn't willing to give up the alcohol. Right. So right. it's like I would go to EMDR, I would have a great session, and then I would drink afterwards. Right. Or she would suggest that maybe I should be on an antidepressant and I yeah. wouldn't take it because you can't mix those with alcohol. Right. Don't it's work. It's funny how many, how many prescriptions of Prozac and Zoloft or whatever that I would have that you know, till this day are probably full somewhere in a garbage can. Hopefully no one took them. (laughs) Because I was like, wait, I can't drink. Or I, first I would try to drink on it. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be like, Oh, whoa, Mm -hmm. never do that again. Mm -hmm. That's too crazy even for me. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be like, well, depression, still drinking. I think I'll go with the still drinking, you know? And like, so so I would have these bottles of medication that could probably help me that I wouldn't even take. Right. Right. Because yeah, yeah, because I chose the booze. Right, (laughs) right, right. Or, you know, they do both and you can't figure out why it's not working. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I took those. Those don't work. Meanwhile, you're drinking like a gallon of vodka. Yeah. And also like in my, in my using, in my drug years, it would be the same thing. I I would, I would get off drugs and I would expect to be immediately happy. You know, and it would be, you know, 20 days into my sobriety and I'd be like, I need meds. And they'd be like, you need to clear the fog out of your body and your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's an interesting journey, huh? Yeah, Yeah, it is. But it's so great. And there's so many options like you discussed in um, the sexual trauma chapter, um, EMDR. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other thing that a lot of people have is, you know, there's a lot of people who worked in the sex industry who get sober. And there's people who had stuff happen in their childhood Mm -hmm. and who have had um, 
experiences where they tell their family what happened oh. and the family's like, no, it didn't. Right. You're lying. Right. Or, right. or you know, or the fam- but because usually the family doesn't want to believe it. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then there are in some cases, I know people who do lie about it for attention, which is a completely different right. topic and has nothing to do with this. Right, but, right. Yeah. But there are, you know, people who actually have been uh, sexually abused. It's It's something that I think you have to, I don't know, tell me if you agree on this. I feel like you have to have a certain amount of sobriety before you dive into that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's like, I have 30 days, oh. let me dive into this. Yeah, yeah, no, it's too traumatic. Like, you know, let your brain heal, let your body heal. And no, matter of fact, I had a really good therapist early on. And, you know, these memories and these feelings started coming up. And I went to him and um, he just said, you know, Rosemary, you're in early recovery. Um this will come up when you can handle it. And I'm not going to recommend we dig and dig and find out. And um, and so that was the, I think that was very skilled therapist. He was great. That was great information. And no, uh, I agree with you 100% to start digging into that right away. Again, early in sobriety, our brains are healing. Our body is trying to get balanced out and you don't know what's going on. It's way too destabilizing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why they tell you not even to make any major changes in the first year. Oh, you know, right. don't quit smoking in your first year. Right, You'll right. freak out. Right. Don't, you know, it's like um, every it's I, I luckily had a really good doctor when I got sober who was like, no, you transition. You don't. Right. You can't just change all this stuff because I was like, OK, I'm done. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be different. <laughs> but a lot of that is the addict in me. Yeah. Who yeah. wants the instant gratification? Like, right. like right. I always say, like I want twenty years of sobriety right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We always want to be further along. Yep. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, definitely an, an addict <laughs> response. Yeah. D- totally an addict response. Yeah. The other um, uh, chapter in your book, it's chapter nine in Rosemary's book, A Sober Mom's Guide to Recovery: Love Relationship Dysfunction. I love this quote. It says, my fear of abandonment is exceeded only by my terror of intimacy. Right. And wow. Yeah. Like, I I get that. Complete fear of abandonment, no interest in intimacy. Like, keep it away. <laughs> right. Right. Because, again, it goes back to that big wound of your abandonment. And um, I'm sure just when somebody starts getting close to you, um, it, it, it just it's it can be terrorizing. And then we, we can't figure out why we can't be in healthy relationships, especially intimate relationships. Um, but again, back to that healing that needs to be done. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, again, I've worked with a lot of women that back to the sexual abuse, um, to be in an intimate relationship as much as we want it is very triggering. It really is. Right, right. Like there's only one way. Sometimes that's the only way I could be completely like so self-realized and self-actualized and Mm -hmm. feeling great. And it's like if my if I really want to make the demons come out, let me just get in a relationship because yeah. then it, you know it's like because yeah. it's so funny. I would be talking to a therapist, um, you know, in earlier sobriety where I was like, I can't access these feelings. I don't even think I have them anymore. Yeah. Oh my god, boy, yeah. does a relationship bring them out? Right. I love that saying. Um, getting into relationships is like um, pouring miracle grow on our character defects. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, true. That's so good. Yeah, because I do 
just fine by myself. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like when I'm not in a relationship, the last thing I want is a relationship. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I love being alone. Yeah. You know, and then I get in one and it's like, oh my God, where is this coming from? Yeah. Like this yeah. feeling that I thought I never would feel again because it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Right. Right. And again, you know, what I've learned for myself and in the women I coach and that I um, try to mentor um, is that it's more information about what's going on with you emotionally and internally. And uh, relationships to me, I, I go intimate relationships, I go into it thinking, okay, what am I going to learn about myself? And, um, you know, show up and be honest, and have some fun. You know, it just keep it, those three things simple, have fun, be honest, and see what you're going to learn about yourself. Um, I know some of my intimate relationships, I've learned so much about myself. And again, healed a lot of those wounds. And um, yeah, my dating <laughs> the chapter and dating, and you know, the love and relationship chapter, people, a lot of them said, I can't believe you said all that. And I say, you know, I don't have any more shame about it. And it's not who I am. You know, it's just how I respond. So yeah, that's, that's been definitely a long journey. Somebody, a woman I know in recovery once said, my life is an open book. I can't be blackmailed. And ah! I always like that. <laughs> you know, it's I like, love that. and I, it's like what you said, if you, that you wrote this book feeling like if you could help one, one woman, then mm -hmm. you did your job. And I always, I, I kind of feel like that with this show too. It's like, if there's another person out there who has the same, like, Fakakta crazy addiction <laughs> story like mine with mm -hmm. chronic relapse and stuff mm -hmm. sprinkled out throughout their life. If I could just make that person feel like there's a place for them too, then I've, right. I've done my job. Right. You know, right. it's like chairing a meeting when you, it's like, it's really, it's hard to think about it because I get so nervous, you know, but it's like, mm -hmm. if I could just help one person, then I did good. Right, right. And and we all, we all hope to do that. I'm sure you have helped a lot of people with this book, but yeah, especially by getting into personal stuff because mm -hmm. that's what shows other people that, that they don't, need to have shame right and you know all the things I wrote in my book gazillions of women have experienced the same thing so again back to I don't want women out there to feel that they're alone in any of this and there's there's a lot of help there's so much help out there we're so lucky the day we live in right now um, yeah yeah where there's all different kinds of um, self-help things mm -hmm. you know there's 12-step programs there's other other things other programs and then there's like therapies like dbt and emdr and right. se and right and and all those things but yeah I, I feel like you know once you get sober and get your bearings and have worked the 12 steps and that's a good time to start you know if there's still trauma or still pain to start looking for ways to heal that oh for sure i feel that's the that's the journey it's, yeah yeah it's a spiritual journey to healing and um, connection with other people. Yeah, I think addiction and alcoholism is a um, it's a disease of being disconnected, um, based on those wounds. Back to the wounds, so we're disconnected to others. And what do we all want in life? Is we want connection with another human being, and uh, that's for me what recovery's done. I'm so connected myself and a higher power that I can connect with others and. To me, there's nothing better in life. Yeah. 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 
So there's lots of great stuff in this book. The book, by the way, is called A Sober Mom's Guide to Recovery, Taking Care of Yourself to Take Care of Your Kids by Rosemary O'Connor, who is our guest host in studio all this week. Tomorrow is Epic Addict Fail Sober Mom Style. So tune in for that. If you would like to write us questions, comments, observations, it's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. That's G-O-T-O Productions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511 on Facebook, Instagram, and and Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. And we will be back tomorrow, so keep coming back. Sex and drugs and rock and roll is all my brain and body need. Sex and drugs and rock and roll.